Hello, darlings. This is Rebecca, just jumping in with a quick update. We recorded this episode before the winner of the T.S. Eliot Prize 2022 was announced. Uh, it is, as I'm sure you will have heard, Joelle Taylor. This book that we're about to talk about, Kanto, won the prize and we are absolutely delighted because it is a fantastic book, as you can hear. But yes, obviously, when we recorded this, we didn't know if she'd won or not. So bear that in mind. Enjoy. <laughs> Dead Darlings Book Club. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Hannah Hutzba. And I'm Laura Yeaves. This month's book is Kanto and Othered Poems by Joelle Taylor and chosen by Hannah. Hannah, why did you choose this book? Um, this book uh, is currently sh- shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Poetry Prize, which is, I think, Ooh. I think at the time of recording, it's this weekend <laughs> that that will be awarded. So maybe the winner of the T.S. Eliot Poetry Prize. Um, I absolutely love Joelle Taylor's stuff and also she is a a huge force and an enthuser and educator and promoter within the poetry scene. So between the fact that mm. I, like, Joelle has this, like, really pivotal role in spoken word and this is the latest book that I wanted to read anyway and it's currently up for a big poetry prize... It seemed like all the stars were aligning. Um, and this is the first time, I think, on the Dead Darlings podcast that we've reviewed two books by the same person previously. We've doubled it. We have. Ah. And I 100% stand by Joelle being the first person that we do that with. Um, yeah. Uh, on the cover, it says C plus N-T-O and othered poems. Um, a, a Kanto is a real word. Um and uh, but a lot of people have been very coy about calling <laughs> calling it what it is, including apparently Gadio Digital Radio Station. They wouldn't say the name of the book on the air. Um, so Gadio, what uh, are you, you, you doing? Will get, you will get no such coyness from the cunts at Dead yeah. Darlings. <laughs> no, um, that one of my favourite uh, words. We don't show away. One of the oldest words in the English language still in use today. If this was This American Life, this would be the point where, as Ira Glass, I would be saying, if you'd like a beeped version of the show, you can get one on our website. <laughs> I mean, listen, I aspire to be Ira Glass in many ways, but I'll, I'll keep my swearing, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's about... Um, so Joelle is queer, and it is about um, queer life. It's kind of a memorial to a lot of lost friends and lost spaces as well um it lists huge numbers mm. of gay venues that have shut in like there's there's basically nowhere in london there is one lesbian bar left in london yeah isn't it? like there the are stat. things like libraries and there's she in soho right i would need to double check if that one is still there um like it's definitely okay. still there all right i will yeah there is, there is one. I, I, I okay, don't know if it's fine. that one. But. The fact that I'm remembering a lesbian bar in London and Hannah isn't is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, did you want to mansplain anything else? <laughs> I, Straight I, one fateful pride, <laughs> broke my flip-flop on the floor of the candy bar because the floor was that fucking sticky. And all of the outside oh. was wall-to-wall broken glass outside because everyone was just packed in and when they finished drinking, they would just drop their bottle. 
and I wound up fixing my flip-flop with a bar straw. <laughs> I've been places! I think that is very... Um, there's something very lesbian about that. Like, it's a very practical right. solution, Hannah, you know? You're going to fix shit. Like, you probably had a tool belt with you, um, not, I imagine. Not quite that far, um, but yeah. <laughs> I was proud of my ingenuity. I'd just been marching at Pride with Quakers with a big side about Quakers and everyone was shouting porridge, including at 1.3 bears. It had been a lovely day. Anyway. Um... <laughs> anyway. So, uh, so, yes. So so it's kind of a book about how kind of those spaces and kind of the, particularly the kind of the queer scene, the sort of 80s, 90s has sort of disappeared. It's kind mm. of been corporatized, mm-hmm. gentrified. Things have closed down. It's sort of yeah. people have died. It's kind of a, a lost world and there's lots of stuff about things being being preserved in in, yeah, in glass. glass in snow globes in that sort of mm-hmm. thing and so canto is a poem divided into lots of different sections yes. right um and this this is divided into lots of different sections but it is one sweeping narrative of a particular fictionalized bar called the maryville and yeah. sort of protests that are going on outside it and attacks that happen on it and characters that that appear um sort of these four butch women who um, sort of are associated with this bar and are, are real people that Joelle Taylor knew. Um, or amal- yeah, or kind yeah. of amalgamations of different yes. people, I think. Yeah, it set out like it has been a live theatre show, and I'm not 100% sure mm. how that works because there are these stage directions throughout which are incredible yeah. but very bloody weird. Um, uh, they're like reading Dennis Potter stage notes in that they're kind of written in a way where you're like, I have no idea how that actually translates to a stage direction. Yeah. You've just written something really poetic and, and lovely. Not not just, I'm, that's reducing, reducing it, but you've written something beautiful and poetic that actually is not, is not, not at all practical of how you would make a stage show. Yeah, it's cool. yeah. I'm try- I, fa- I fell in love with those stage directions so much. I'm trying to find them because they were just so... Lighting effects brilliant. one, the orange of hello. Yeah. Yeah. FX... Um, one is that sound that is sound sound effects yeah fx1 music with a hand over its mouth um mm. but that's perfect that's exactly that can, you can picture that, that exactly works. can't you that one you can read as an instruction but they all work no, that it's one just, you can read as an instruction if you were at the sound desk but a lot of it i have no idea how you would and yet they're absolutely gorgeous yeah it's sort of a lighting instruction where the light is you know uh you know, uh, lighting instruction one, the colour of leaving, yeah. you know, or, or kind of, yeah, abstract things. A bland sun saunters through municipal stained glass windows. Uh, yeah. The day does not have her makeup yeah. on. Yeah, that's way, that's when you know you are still reading poetry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So going back to the bit about being a stage show. So I uh, brilliantly what it's got in here, and I've seen this in a couple of books recently as well. Um, Desri's I Find My Strength in Small Things has... Uh, QR codes so you can watch performances of the poems mm. and this book has a couple in the back and so I got into watching those um, the other night and it it then kind of rolled on to an interview with Joelle talking about the T.S. Eliot Prize and she was saying they are planning to um, do turn it, it into yeah. do it again as a stage show where they're going to build the Maryville bar inside a snow oh, globe wow. um, <laughs> and then at the end of the night they will just open the bar and you can kind of head on down and, and, and have a drink at the bar and stuff, right? Oh, wow. Amazing. It's going to be so exciting. Oh, I love that. It's going to be so beautiful. Um, yeah. But this, 
I, and I do want to see it live because, it, and like having seen Joel live a few times, like yeah. reading this, you can't get away from the sensation of being spoken to. Like I felt yeah. like she had snuck up behind me and started, I don't want to say whispering because that sounds too gentle, but like hissing this book <laughs> in my ear really fervently. Do you know what I mean? Like it was okay. really visceral and powerful and I really loved mm. it. It's mm. interesting. I really loved the stuff that you touched on, Rebecca, earlier of um, the way the book takes her youth as an outgoing um i guess uh, party loving is maybe too too strong a word but you know somebody who likes to go out and be in bars and be in um queer spaces um at a time when that was obviously still i mean in, in some ways it still is you know risky in some ways um but taking that moment of yeah exactly um taking that kind of this is my youth this is that you know uh, specifically the 90s but also the uh, 80s as well um and examine like looking at how now that has been as you said kind of put on the glass kind of viewed through kind of this this lens of it being history now mm-hmm. when it wasn't then it was being out at the at the bar and these um you know these characters and and this this lifestyle which is now kind of being looked back on um mm. and the way she uses the image of glass throughout to to uh, capture that feeling i thought was really extraordinary mm. it was it, it must be a very very weird feeling to look back on a time on a, and a space that you were part of and to people now that is history yeah and a space that wasn't a welcome space it was yeah it was as kind well of, it was a you know it was a slightly underground space it was a Definitely. slightly kind of it was a safe space but it was a space that the people in it were in danger and were considered as radical and different and yeah definitely there's a theme throughout of alienation being alienated from your body as a butch lesbian and being alienated from family who can't accept you being alienated mm. like that they're, they're, they're the god one of the themes that turned up that i started to clock and thought was done so so well was fairly femme or quote-unquote normal things being described in a violent way um like yeah. uh, a man stubs his kiss out on your cheek or um yeah beautiful there image. was mm. uh Oh god, there's a really horrible one where there's there's um, a funeral of a butch friend of theirs, but the family have put a wig on her and put her in a big dress. Oh yeah, and yeah. it described a face battered with makeup. The the that mm. that forced feminine <laughs> feminization was a violence. And it's mi- it, yeah, and it's mm. mixing that with violence and with not masculinity that's not the right word but with kind of force and violence yeah because yeah, because there is another moment there where um and i can't find it in the book but um where sort of one woman is thinking about like how is it that the you know that the solution to not wanting to present as femme is to present quote unquote like a man hmm. but but also wanting to reject that as hmm. well and sort of saying you know how can the exit also be the fire yeah which is such a good line um yeah there's there's it it packs a hell of a punch and there's often there were there were whole sections where 
literal punch. There's this whole sex, there's this whole bit, with this, which is just um, boxing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with like round one, round two, round three and mm. so on in the book. Yeah. Punch is and, the right word. <laughs> and I, I remember when we talked about the woman who isn't there, we talked about teeth coming up a lot. In, and, and this time it was fists as well. Fists come up and hands and of... weird inverted birth imagery, which, mm. you know, there's... Yeah. There's there's an obvious fisting, what's it? But that's not really what she was going for most of the time. It was... Yeah, there definitely is one fisting that's like fisting, fisting <laughs> yeah. reference. But yes. Um, um, but but yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> she was like, I've got to get one in there. <laughs> well, anyway. There's definitely Moving a joke about... <laughs> that, sounded, that sounded dirtier than wow. I meant it. Well, I, I, saw, I went to say, oh, there's a joke that I was like, wait, was he making that joke deliberately? I know, okay. No, I wasn't being that clever, <laughs> but actually... I'll take it. Well, that is your prerogative, Laurie. And uh, um, yeah, I really appreciated the um, glossary at the front. Mm, um, yes. I know that sounds dumb, but it's useful. It was really helpful to have that up front before reading the poems. I'm sick of reading books where the glossary comes at the back, and I'm like, oh well, I, you're just telling me now how to decode these poems that I've just read. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys this, because I was thinking this. How much do you normally read prefaces? I don't even know how to say the damn word. How much do you normally read prefaces in in poetry books? Usually, yes. Depends, depends what it how is. how long it is as well. Um, <laughs> there was... I would if it's a if it's a collection that's been designed with a preface, I guess. Mm. Like, if it's a collection like this where the author has written something to contextualize the book before it starts mm. then i usually will because i think it is part of the book whereas if it's i don't know an anthology of old poetry then probably not like um maybe it's interesting or maybe it's not but yeah um yeah because i i kind of just did by chance on this one and i'm really glad i did actually because i think it it does yeah. give you a lot of the kind of you know um it's almost like a prologue rather than yes a... yeah and yeah, like you say, the um, the glossary also does kind of sort of explain to you, like particularly the scenes and stuff, how to... Mm. How to how read to, the book. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, sometimes when you have stuff that tells you how to read it... It you can, can feel kind of, a bit... Yeah, like, oh, well, I, you know, is this is this just overly complicated? Is this a bit pompous? And it, it, to be clear, it doesn't feel like that in this no, book. No, it doesn't. At all. It feels like it gives you just enough hand-holding as it were mm. without overwhelming you and and boring you before you start it's that it, it feels helpful rather yeah. than distracting yeah and i loved sorry uh, another thing i really loved was just this um how the kind of the the body and the the scenery kind of morph into each other all the time people give mm. birth to roads um, you know, people kind of peel off walls and things like that. Or the, the the scenery, you know, becomes a person or behaves like a person. Or and yeah, it just it, it's like it's almost surreal, but it never mm. never quite completely divorces from reality. It's you're yeah. always grounded in this location, this violence, this understanding of of the world. Mm. Yeah, I liked it. I think we all did. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I freaking loved it. And it's got that kind of... It, it's 100% not how I write or even feel like I can, but it's got this, like, at times, very kind of beatnik 
energy where you will have a strong impression mm. but not necessarily be able to describe exactly what's happening in that moment and yeah mm. it's it's something I find I don't know, it, it skips my sort of intellectual brain and just goes straight to like, I am wired. <laughs> and I, I yeah. really like that style of writing um, when it's done well, and Joel yeah. fucking does it well. Um, it's a cut above, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yep, definitely. So we're starting 2022 strong. That's Kanto and Other Poems by Joel Taylor, which is out on Westbourne Press. And it's great. Yeah, would highly recommend. Uh, and hope it wins the prize. I mean, admittedly, I haven't read the others, but fuck yeah. it. I want this one. Not be I want this one. I think Joel deserves it. I think oh, Joel's yeah. done enough, more than enough work yeah. and graft in the in the poetry world. It was brilliant to see her on the list. Also, um, I saw the book Canto and Other Poems in Foils the other day, out facing outwards on the shelf, yeah. and it's really satisfying to see a book with this title <laughs> um, with Joel Taylor's name on it. Lovely in pride position yeah. in the bookshop did anyone yeah. see i saw something from raymond antrobus who's one of the other poets up for this um who yeah. um apparently the week before he got the email saying congratulations you have been shortlisted for this prize he'd been in some yeah. museum with a writer's retreat something 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 and he'd sat in a chair and had some museum person come in and go please do not sit in that chair that is t.s Eliot's chair t.s Eliot sat in that chair so when he gets this email <laughs> with the title t.s Eliot, he thinks he's about to get fined <laughs> or otherwise <laughs> that's so good he's won it before though has he he's, <laughs> he's entitled to sit yeah yeah oh, yeah God. Yeah, Raymond, Raymond Antrobus won it for the Perseverance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just love that. Like, yeah, I think that should be the rule. You win his prize. You, you win his prize. You sit in his chair. Roger Robinson's been there. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I just love also the dichotomy between. Excuse me, that is from a famous poet. And I'm like, this is such a very good poet. <laughs> 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 the the kind know, of right? museum. I don't know the the vitrine, the the glass that goes in between. With this is now this status and therefore right. you can't touch it which you can't touch it yeah please do not touch casey yeah. bailey that book came out last year that was great that's that's all about not touching mm. um but anyway that's another story yeah maybe that'll um, be another book that interview that with joelle taylor i will pop in the show notes as well because i do think it's worth it's worth watching like it's just it's a really interesting interview the way she talks about it and uh, yeah um, so yeah, I think we would all highly recommend this book. Yes, yes. Heck definitely. Yes.